0: Hello, what a simple way to start a podcast episode. That's almost how a lovely song by Paul Williams starts. It's called Nice to be Around. I thought I would do... I wanted to do a recording that's kind of like an interstitial episode. Uh, We are on a train once more, I've done one episode like this before, and um, I'm on a family trip um, that will also cover other modes of transport, and I'll see whether I'll also record something during those later stages, and then have those make for the final episode. I have here um, a cup of coffee and uh, like a wooden stirring object stirrer. Um, Anyway it's been very long since my last episode. Um, This has happened quite a few times during my podcast's existence for um, unavoidable reasons. Uh, Mostly it's been the need to focus in an intensive way on uh, getting, you know, some progress made on other things or actually finishing something. And speaking of that, this is being recorded a couple of days after I released my second album called Tales from the North book one. It's a set of twelve pieces, twelve short compositions intended for two pianos and two players. I could just say piano duet, they are piano duets but uh, there are two types of piano duet and uh, one is for two players at the same keyboard and the other involves two separate instruments. And um, these are for two pianos and two players. Before I put this album out there, I wondered about how to explain the exact nature and intention behind uh, this album because it's not meant to be just an album of my own um, and that's it. Uh, uh, Its primary function is to introduce these pieces into the world as something you can listen to you can because, you know, yes, I could have done them as sheet music, but then I would have had still the problem of, well, I need to make some kind of versions of these so that people, people can quickly get a sense of what they can be, um, you know, what they sound like in one rendition, in one implementation. And I'm stressing this because... Ultimately, what they were created for was and is for other people to perform. So I didn't try to mimic an actual performance. Um, I created a version in the digital realm of each piece that I think gives a good sense of uh, the composition but in no way are these meant to be the ultimate or the definitive renderings of these pieces just because um, I, the composer of them, made these renditions. Uh, In fact I made decisions about how to Make these final renderings um, that kind of... Um, how should I put this? I'm describing the liner notes that I didn't want to pre-empt what I hope will happen one day. These uh, actual performances and maybe actual recordings um, of these pieces by professional pianists who could do with them uh, things that I didn't even want to try to do yet in these renditions. For example, I chose to use a virtual version of a famous piano from Abbey Road Studios. This is a version made by Spitfire Audio, a wonderful maker or virtual instruments, including many free ones. This one isn't free, it's it's called the Mrs. Mills piano. And uh, what I was explaining about these renditions was that I deliberately used that piano which in itself is already uh, bright and loud um, because of its lacquered hammers and uh, also there's a lovely quality of detuning that adds a nice tang to it It also the hammers of course are part of the final sound but what I didn't do for example uh, something that I would do otherwise a lot in piano music and uh, may well do a lot in future compositions, but I didn't have almost any very soft uh, notes, I mean in the rendition that I did of each of these pieces. Um, I, because I felt that with this piano uh, the louder way of playing each key produces both more transparent and also uh, nicer sounding um, results. I'm somebody who happens to love all kinds of pianos like tack pianos, honky-tonk style um, and so on. And um, so what I would hope from a living musicians, uh, uh, plural musicians, uh, performance would be that they would make their own choices how soft to go in many places where that would be very natural but I couldn't go very soft um, because the softer notes don't sound that appealing to me on this piano and I didn't want to also then artificially adjust the, you know, the overall volume of the instrument. I could have done that. Uh, That would have been one choice, but um, in fact the overall volume of the instrument stays the same all through these uh, 12 renderings that I did, and uh, that means that there are no very soft notes in these versions but of course I love also the sound of soft playing and I love it more on a concert grand than um, what many composers at least have done with very loud playing. Um, So the choices that I made were very specific to this virtual piano that I used to make these renderings Uh, but also To make it clear, this vertigrand, it's a type of piano called vertigrand, so it's not a grand piano, Uh, it's, um, you know, an upright type. So one day renderings of these by living musicians, plural musicians, I would hope that they would uh, do many things uh, according to their um, artistic sensibilities and uh, well it's quite clear really in what places softer playing Uh, maybe super soft uh, could do wonders on a concert grand piano that type of piano for example Um, but I didn't want to go um, for reasons I've explained that soft on the playing Um, but that was part of um, like I wanted to limit what I did here, because these are meant to demonstrate the pieces, but not try to somehow get everything out of them, because that's not really even possible, Uh, that's actually, I want to make that statement clearer, that's absolutely not possible uh, with any piece that is of this nature, like. There could be no ultimate performance of a Chopin nocturne or prelude. Um, there are many different interpretations possible with different choices, different sound, you know, overall, and so on. So it would have been wrong, it felt wrong to me to even the idea of trying to mimic. Um an actual performance I do explain this in the fairly lengthy um, notes uh, my <laughs> um, text notes um, that uh, that can be read on bandcamp um, that yeah I didn't even want to try to give the illusion of a live performance, but I left a thought hanging or half finished. I wanted to make clear that the sound of this piano was very inspirational and actually integral to these compositions. So what I'm also saying here is that um, because I was creating the pieces uh, um, with that instrument working in Pro Tools, um, the sounds of that virtual instrument um, inspired many choices or affected many choices. So it was really an integral part of these compositions, you know, shaping the final results that way. Uh, Because sometimes I would try something and then make a different choice because um, it sounded better On that instrument Um, and I prefer this way of working now Uh, mostly I use this way of working um, where I can have access to actual you know the actual finished sounds that I want to be part of some rendition of some piece of music that I'm making Um, I have in the past written a lot as sheet music first, like an Iceland symphony, uh, which I published as a book of sheet music, um, that was written completely as sheet music. Each piece was written in musical notation. But these days I have wanted to start as often as possible uh, start working with the, re- the the variety of different sounds that I'll be using in the final result. So the result is be- I mean that final result is being formed also at the same time as the composition itself. So as I lay down each note, I hear specific sounds and those can inspire me then and uh, this is a different from how it was with an Iceland symphony because even though um, that notation app that I was using uh, which is the best notation app available for iOS, for iPads um, it's called Notion it does have its own sounds and uh, they give a good sense of what the results will be, but of course there's you know only one piano sound, one violin sound and so on for each of the instruments so you you don't get to choose what the piano that you hear when you are composing within Notion uh, will sound like and um, so it it puts you at a remove from what you want to hear, you you have to then only imagine some other type of piano sound and so, you know, at this point it doesn't make sense with many types of music to write sheet music first Um, there's another reason for that and um, I already mentioned that The digital audio workstation DAW that I use is called Pro Tools, and um, it was so much more flexible, uh, so much more of a better choice to create this music um, in the piano roll interface of Pro Tools. Um, I want to explain to listeners who may not know what that is, and um, in case it sounds weird to be writing what is basically classical music, if we have to put a category or a label to it, um, to write piano music in um, Pro Tools, uh, um, you know, this type of program that doesn't primarily deal with musical notation. It also can show the music that way, but I use the piano roll interface and um, this is why it allows for so much faster and uh, easier experimentation because if you are writing something in sheet music as musical notation in an app like Notion, if you want to do something differently in the middle of a bar you want to extend some note and push some other notes forward for example it's a whole process that will take many steps but in Pro Tools all you do is drag select those notes and drag them where you want them to make some space for example to extend that one note then you just you know uh, click and pull on the end of that note to make it longer and uh, this goes for every aspect of it. Um, in order to lay down notes of a different lengths in uh, um, a notation uh, soft um, in notation software, uh, you need to select. Okay, is this a whole note, quarter note, um, eighth note, or whatever? Then is it dotted? Uh, is it a triplet and so on, and in Pro Tools uh, you don't need to be doing that at all because you just draw however long the note is going to be it's a single line that extends horizontally and you can set the grid for any resolution Uh, is it quarter notes, eighth notes uh, you know, whatever and um, use that or you can have notes of um, lengths that fall somewhere in between those and uh, you actually can't do that in at least Notion at least the sheet music app that I have used so um, in order to have the freedom to experiment and um, make changes and have the music live and have the inspirations immediately possible to implement uh, as an idea came along when i was composing Uh, this could only happen by doing it directly in pro tools and uh, there are many more factors of this i could explain but um, i believe i'm already going into too much detail for it to be of interest to most listeners Um, anyway the upshot of this, as the saying goes, is that the sheet music for these pieces doesn't exist yet. I'm I think maybe halfway through uh, the first piece now in turning it into sheet music. And um, there's actually probably going to be a way for me uh, that I'm Well, okay, I I was going to share something, but I first want to be really sure that it can happen. But um, it had to do about when I can put each piece out. Um, Because I don't want to do it in such a way that I would have had to have finished all the pieces Twelve pieces because it's going to take several months because this is thousands of notes. Uh, it's I think it I think the last time I checked how many bars it was it was um, well close to a thousand some, somewhere in that region. So yes, there's something I've been working on that might enable me to do that in a way that I can feel fully happy with and that won't compromise my ownership of this music because I wouldn't want to give any part of the copyright away for any of my works. Um, I don't know if I've ever mentioned this in those exact words on this podcast when talking about my books either. Um, The reason I publish my own books and uh, release my own music and uh, also my own sheet music is that I do need the full and final control because I really, really believe and feel the need for what David Lynch calls having the final cut Uh, like he points out with films it's absurd for a director to film a movie but then give it to somebody else to finish some directors actually do this, they don't even get involved in the final editing process and uh, that's like a painter uh, Uh, getting somewhere close to the final results and then saying, you know, handing over the brush or other tool being used to someone else and say, okay, you put the finishing touches to this. And of course that would be absurd. And uh, in the case of writing, by the time I have finished working on a story or a poem, it has gone through... Many, many readings, and I, I could justify every single word, or comma, or paragraph break, or lack of a comma, or uh, well, every aspect of a piece of text. Uh, it has. Sorry. An- ann- announcement. Jämsää. Nesta, jämsää. The next stop, Yemsa Okay, sorry. Um I was um interrupted by the announcement. Uh, no, actually, I'm not sorry. I like having those as part of the recording for some authenticity. But I was simply explaining that um um it would pain me to have even one word changed or removed by an editor and that would absolutely be happening to a much greater extent than just one word. Or paragraph, they would go through your whole text and make any changes they deem, um, you know, that the story requires from their point of view. And that's something I never want to get involved with. Many writers who want to get a book publisher uh, publishing their stories. Uh, I don't think that many authors, many writers, realize that this will happen. It won't be, you know, if you if you know that it's already perfect and no changes are needed, that you have really thought it through, you know that the level of detail is just perfect now, it it doesn't need more description, or it doesn't need less description or you know, whatever aspect they would want you to change at the book publisher, uh, with editors uh, making these suggestions or changes, you know, that would be happening you would not get really (laughs) what you wrote published. It would be something that kind of resembles what you did, but if you don't care, if you're just uh, wanting to start making some money, then maybe you wouldn't have a problem with that. And uh, you know, if if a writer uh, is completely okay with that, to have it be like a co-creation many people might be then there's nothing wrong with that process but I knew knew by having learned about this having heard about so many cases of it um, or read about so many cases that I knew I would never want that to happen and you know the text isn't even the only thing um, unless it would be a very special set of circumstances or you were very influential or already successful and powerful enough to put your foot down on any topic, you wouldn't be consulted um, much on the cover most likely, or how it would be described on the back cover or in any advertising, uh, because book publishers have people they need to uh, have do some of that um you know they get paid uh to do those things and imagine having written a book that you are really happy with that you feel brings something wonderful um at least to some like-minded souls who can uh, take what you have tried to give to them through that work imagine if you had a book like that and then it came out in a horrible cover that you hate and that you know you detest and it doesn't represent what you tried to do, well you couldn't do anything about it. This has happened to many many writers uh, and imagine how many horrible book covers you've seen um, It's not just the readers who have those reactions to many of those covers. Uh, Imagine about those poor writers who, you know, might see either one horrible cover or if there's a new version, that one might be horrible too, and so on. So, you know, that's the price you would have to pay or the risks you would have to take if you worked with a traditional publisher. Of course, I I do know of many cases also where uh, writers have been very happy with uh, the design, uh, the book cover, uh, you know, all aspects of it, and um, they haven't felt that any changes were painful or destroyed some part of what you were creating so it just depends on the individual but in my case I just knew that, know that and knew when I was making these choices uh, I knew that I need to be able to make all those choices so that it can really be my own creation Uh, not some kind of amalgamation of intentions Um, and so While I know that some of the things I have written uh, could have found traditional publishers, I knew that there would have been so much time and life and energy wasted. And then, uh, you know, if I had gotten an acceptance on some story, um, then the pain might be only starting. They would say, we love your story, but we have some suggestions. Are you open to making some changes? No, I would not be open. And that's not because of arrogance, but because I, I have worked so hard, you know, for decades now, to get to a point where I know that the final result is what I wanted to create. This isn't arrogance. It's just, you know, any artist, you know, at some point, starts to know when something is just right and um, it's a different thing if if you are like a commercial uh, writer who don't care about it being just right if you're happy with it being uh, well, pretty much what I wanted, some things I wasn't so happy about what they changed but um, uh, I'm on to the next thing and uh, who knows maybe Uh, people will will like it better that way but I can't take that attitude because I feel a responsibility to you know uh, this is difficult to talk about without sounding wrong or that you um, might have some ego involved but um, at some point you have that inner voice and uh, you can't betray that inner voice that tells you that this way is the way it needs to be Uh, otherwise it's not what I um, felt Uh, it's not what needed to come through in this creation and through this creation to others um... so you know like the short stories in my first collection of short stories which is called At Dawn Early Short Stories Um, it's on Amazon as a hardcover uh, paperback and ebook Um, those stories were written over a couple of decades the earliest of them is from I think it was 2001 uh, I would need to consult the back of the book, but uh, that's not a misprint. I wanted to mention that, by the way, in case somebody thinks that I may have meant 2010, but no, it's 2000 or 2001, um, when the earliest of those stories was written. Well, anyway, um, so they cover a very long period of my learning years, the searching years, when I was looking for my most special things. But the point I wanted to make about it is that I think I made a couple of half-hearted tries to send them to just one online, or not an online magazine. I mean, it had a website, but I think it was a physical magazine. That seemed like it might be receptive to new authors. Um, I sent them a couple of the stories, but I never even heard back from them, which I think of course is unprofessional. You should at least send a rejection note, however small or big you are as a magazine. But uh, I knew already as I was sending out those submissions, I knew that No, I I don't know if this is even a good idea for me. Um, Because what would happen then? Um, I think that they would have let me keep the copyright, otherwise I wouldn't have sent them the story. But uh, what what would ultimately have resulted from this? Uh, Like, how long does a magazine issue stay around? And how many of the stories uh, in a magazine get read? Uh, how many people read them, and then the next issue comes, and the old issue is forgotten. and So, you know, uh, in this day and age, it doesn't really make so much sense to work in this old mode. This, You know, in the 1950s or 1940s, when Ray Bradbury was doing a lot of his early work already, um, it may have made sense to send to magazines to have stories published but the world has changed and um, well anyway I've now given some of the reasons why I uh, publish my own material Uh, it's not because these couldn't get published somewhere but. There is that aspect I already mentioned, that we only have a limited amount of life, and how much do, of it do we want to waste on legwork? You know, uh, just you know, writing emails, um, sending stuff out, and then hear, maybe if, if you're lucky you might hear back from them, but most likely it would be a re- rejection. How much of your life are you ready to put into that? Well, of course, uh, I fully know that um, usually um, professional writers work with agents who then look to place those stories in magazines and so on. Or um, at least that used to be the case. I don't know how has that that changed now uh, these days or not. But anyway, because I know that I wouldn't be happy with the result of that, because the same applies to magazines. Magazines edit, you know, it would be extremely, I mean really extremely unlikely that you would see your story or poem printed word-for-word, paragraph break by paragraph break, the way you wanted it to be. So again, that heartbreak would be there, and the pain, and you know, you would get to blame for any problem with the final story that got printed somewhere, uh, because people don't usually consider the aspect that maybe that typo or that stupid edit, a uh, mistaken uh, swapping around of words or something, it wasn't the writer who uh, did that. Uh, most of those, you know, well, I don't know about most of those, but let's say many of them... Um, sorry, we entered a tunnel, and uh, I hope I've been talking loud enough. Well, anyway, uh, you already get the point. I'm I'm repeating myself a little here now. And um, I'm checking how long this was. Wow, that was very long. So I, I might make this uh, its own episode, because it's... Um, it's quite long for me to hear me talk about one or two points pretty much but have I ever said the following in any sorry I'm checking the sound level a bit uh, I wanted to ask um, have I ever mentioned this on any episode if not then I'll say it here if my Podcast episodes help somebody who really needs to get to sleep do that. If, if my voice and my long uh, <laughs> excursions into wildly uh, peripheral uh, matters, if that happens, if, if you can, if, if somebody out there can fall asleep, who really needs the blessing of sleep and rest, then I actually feel my podcast has served a very great purpose, and I don't mind, <laughs> and don't in the, uh, I hope nobody in the least would have the thought that, oh, I feel bad, I fell asleep listening to Sima, uh, <laughs> I will tell you that that has happened in real life as well. (laughs) I have put people to sleep by talking. Um, This was when I, at least it was when I was, um, my status was in a relationship. It may have happened with more than one person, but I haven't been in many relationships, so it's not like that great a number of people, I don't want to be too specific about my private life, uh, at least for now in these episodes, but yeah uh, I haven't put anyone to sleep in person that I wasn't in a relationship with and in bed with already uh, preparing for sleep, but then it happened, yes I, I was able to have that magical effect on someone. Unfortunately, these were people who never had problems falling asleep. Um, uh, In both of the... Okay, I I might as well say in both of the cases in both relationships um, they had the great gift of being able to fall asleep quickly. And what a gift that is. Um some of us don't have that but um, I may also have mentioned this in earlier episodes Um, I learned to deal with uh, sleep issues in my case the issue is difficulty falling asleep getting to sleep other people then have the difficulty of waking up and not getting back to sleep that's their main problem it fortunately isn't for me um, but I learned to deal with my, um, this type of insomnia thanks to a line in Northern Exposure, the TV series I love. Um, in the last episode of the first season, uh, a lovely character called Bernard explains that his father was an insomniac, um, Chris Stevens another lovely character says to Bernard that must have been a drag or something like that but Bernard um, shrugs it off and says nah he made it work to his advantage meaning his father learned how to use it uh, as something that just is and uh, you adapt to it Uh, because um, his father was a truck driver And so he could, uh, you know, drive these long journeys um, when uh, (laughs) he wouldn't have been sleeping anyway at night, uh, I guess mostly. uh, Those journeys, I mean. Um, So I learned that many, many years ago from this exchange in this TV series. Because, you know, it doesn't matter where you hear a good piece of advice. If it's a good piece of advice, uh, by all means take it. It could be in a comic book uh, or a fortune cookie even. Um, You consider it for yourself. Uh, Does this apply? Is it a good piece of advice? So many many years ago I learned to simply use the time I'm awake to do the things I need done in my life uh, and want done in my life. And then when sleep comes, then it comes, but um, this is why I felt uh, blessed about um, the type of work I've done um, in the past and still um, in addition to, of course, my creative work uh, I have been able to make my own schedules which I really, that's, a to- that's something I don't have a choice about. Um, so I could not have an office job where you would need to wake up uh, on a very solid, reliable basis every day and go to work, be there a certain amount of time and then go home and repeat that process. I might be able to make it work for a week or two but then um, the only choices would be to quit or to start using uh, sleeping medication which is best avoided as much as possible uh, unless you know in extreme circumstances uh, you know I I just had bad experiences in the past Um, you know they were they can affect your personality and you might not even notice it, and um well, I'm completely on a tangent once again, but okay, I will finish the episode, and uh, hey, I meant to say already at the start that uh when I mentioned that this was like an interstitial episode or an episode between um um the last one, which was the third anniversary episode, part two of my uh, new discussion with Pierre Esteve. Uh, That's an episode I'm so happy about, by the way. You can also find both parts of that on YouTube, and if you have a good sound system on your TV, um, that's a great way to listen to those two episodes. But I was going to say that after that, there has been no new episode for me, and, uh, the next one I've intended to do would have been, um, sorry, I mangled my grammar here, um, grammar, not my grandma, my mangled my grandma, uh, gra- uh um, sorry, this, um, uh, this is uh, this is not good. I'm revealing too much about my uh, private activities. <laughs> Just kidding. God, uh, God. Um, I meant to say that I thought I would have been already doing. I thought I. <laughs> it looks like I'm losing the ability to speak. Uh, it's a it's a good uh, indication that I need to end the episode. I was going to say that as the first. Of June was approaching. I thought I could record the first lake episode of this summer then, but the weather was too cold um, to be even at the beach, uh, let alone go rowing and let alone go swimming. Um, uh, So I couldn't do that yet and um, it's looking like the weather is now going to be just perfect. Um, a few days from now, when I return from my trip. So it's possible I'll get to do my uh, first link and a rowing, hopefully, episode then, uh, at that point, the first one for this year. I've, I've already done this for the last couple of summers, episodes like that. And um, I now have uh, the best possible ways to record sound uh, um, and more choices also how to do that so yeah I just wasted probably 10 minutes of your life that you'll never get back on saying that uh, soon there will be lake episodes uh, recorded outside where you can enjoy the music of nature uh, for this episode you had the music of the train. (laughs) Um, Okay, I think that's enough and um, I hope that um, you didn't feel that every moment that you just wasted with this was truly wasted. Okay, see you soon and hear you soon. No, let me amend that. So, see you soon at the lake. Bye for now.